नमस्ते स्पिरिचुअलिटी इज इंडीड द मास्टर की ऑफ द ह्यूमन ऑफ इंडियन थॉट शुभिंदो रिवील्स टू अस इन फाउंडेशन ऑफ इंडियन कल्चर बट दिस स्पिरिचुअलिटी इज ऑफ इंडियन थॉट एंड कल्चर इज ए मेनी साइडेड वास्ट इंक्लूसिव स्पिरिचुअलिटी इट इज नॉट ए स्पिरिचुअलिटी ऑफ ए नैरो सेक्ट दो मेनी सेक्ट हैव स्प्रंग फ्रॉम इट इट्स नॉट a cult do many cults have emerged from it is not just a set of rituals practices etc at its core it's a seeking and this seeking is embedded in a threefold formula and that formula is satyam ritam brahatam the seekers were seeking for truth and what truth not the truth of the senses because there is nothing to seek there because if truth is in the domain of the senses then well all of us are living in the truth but the first premise of spirituality is that what the senses weave is appearances not even the truth of the mind because what we understand by the mind is conditioned by our own mindset preferences viewpoints opinions emotions all these things come and mix up and the mind therefore cannot ever fully understand mind sees a small section and not the totality so they sought a truth which transcended the formulas of the mind just as mind transcends the first formula of the senses and this truth was not a narrow point this is truth and this is not truth so this truth had to be vast because all life had to be based on this truth it was not truths which was up in the sky whereas the earth everything its core and base was truth so it was a vast truth this sort satyam ritam brahatam uh, that is brahatam and ritam ritam is literally now there are many things this is a key to indian thought which uh, very often is not much spoken about well everything is in essence god we often say everything is in its essence divine so then how do we act in life so to act in life we have to understand the indian idea of rhythm so rhythm you have an english word corresponding to it rhythm so so rhythm literally means the right arrangement of things according to the divine law which has been ordained so otherwise there will be chaos everything is same so i often use this example so in a house when you enter you leave these shoes outside generally and change into the house chappals and supposing you have to arrange shoes and books and clothes in one single cupboard so how would we arrange it shoes on the top shelf books on the bottom shelf no isn't it isn't it very interesting that to understand it you have to do nothing you don't have to read a book our own very body can give us the clue so i was very surprised when i had gone in one of the conferences in us and my room partner came and opened the suitcase took out a pair of shoes first thing on the bed so i said he <laughs> this is practice of equanimity <laughs> so what if you look at the human body there you will see the rith the feet are below they are supporting you it's not that ki shoes may divine nahi you can argue yes of course there is divine in shoes who said there is no divine in shoes but the place of the divine in the shoes is the feet so there the feet goes and then you have if you look at it the abdomen and all these things connected to various processes inside is the jal tattva so you put it in the next shelf and then comes the heart and then comes the head so on top you keep the books you keep your dresses you keep things which are dear to you favorite to you in whatever way so this is how the human body is arranged and if you look at this human body's arrangement it's very interesting so bones have it dense bones 
which represents the strong grossest prithvi tattva are in the legs and the feet and then you have the jala tattva this abdomen all full of you know jala tattva and then you have the agni and the vayu expressing right up to the mouth and then you have the space the human body is also arranged like that and therefore they also had created a fourfold social order which later on degenerated so it was things which are connected intimately with the physical or people connected with the physical life then there was a humanity connected with the vital life which means they were engaged in production in engaged in creating things or the higher vital in defending etc and then there were things which were pertaining to knowledge so that's how they created a fourfold social order it must it it should have broken because it you know there was a confusion people started looking at it purely by heredity and so it broke because something new has to come but it was based on a principle and that principle continues to remain active why it remains active because there is a hierarchy in terms of human evolution wherever there is um, manifestation there'll be hierarchy just can't help it why because manifestation is in space and time so there will be things which will come initially then things will come later after all the entire evolutionary journey is a hierarchy so there will be layers of humanity if we believe take it take in the principle of rebirth there will be a layer of humanity which is early humanity which is only concerned with outer things it cannot understand anything except through the physical we were talking about the hierarchy of yoga systems then there is a layer of humanity which is only engaged or largely engaged in one's own interests desires and its satisfactions there is a hierarchy layer of humanity which wants to go still further it is ambitious so it wants to conquer distant lands wide lands the same thing ambition can go into can turn inward and conquest of a different kind and there is a layer of humanity at the end when we have gone through this entire journey it engages in what we are here for is there anything at all at the base of things it's a seeker of knowledge so this was the hierarchy and this hierarchy we see everywhere in nature this idea that because god is in all which is a truth therefore everything can be mixed together it is like saying that okay it take a basket go to you know a place take this as a huge supermarket and you put uh, apples you put Uh, shoes you put uh, roses you put clothes everything together and make a big basket still you will have to arrange when you bring it home so this arrangement of things created a this idea of hierarchy existed in india and at the same time there has to be a right place for everything so sometimes it can be very annoying to the youth that's one thing you know har cheez apni jagah par rakhni hai but <laughs> but at the same time it is to be understood that why it is to be kept it's to create order that's all everything in its own season everything in its own time everything in its own place now this when this becomes very rigid then it become very difficult to manage and handle but if we understand the principle behind it then we understand it very well that everything there was a season for everything there was a time for everything and at the same time it's also true that the old order is now gone but we must understand it because what is going to come in its place is something very new but it will contain elements of all those things the truth cannot be lost and it'll bring out these truths in a different way altogether so this is how we have now this hierarchy did not mean that as we understand today our hierarchy is based on ego meaning thereby if somebody is older elder we must respect we must touch the feet etc this come much later but if you read the indian stories uh, it was never like that uh, nachiketa story we are referring yesterday it is nachiketa who is now Uh, well known in indian thought nachiketa is the one on whose name that the fire of aspiration has been named as nachiketa's agni but hardly anybody remembers what was the name of his father so it was a hierarchy based on your ultimately it was an inner hierarchy same thing we see in the story of satyakam jabali uh, 
where we understand how human how the ethics within the indian society operated so ethics in indian society was not a set of do's and don'ts it was not a black and white moral life is like that it creates a set of rules largely social rules with a religious sanction based on which we act and we judge people but in indian society in ancient india it was much more intrinsic subtle and beautiful and i believe that one day it will manifest and that was called dharma dharma had nothing to do with all the rituals that we do <laughs> religion it's not an equivalent of religion so what really is dharma so we can take this story of satyakam jabali so satyakam is born he knows his, his mother is jabali and at the age of 5 this young little child says i want to uh, go to the best school the best school where they taught brahma vidya that was the best school best school <laughs> was not based on what degree what job you will get but where brahma vidya could be taught there were very few masters who could teach that so he got a fancy to it i want to go there and enroll myself so he goes there and uh, asks the guru uh, gautam that i want to learn brahma vidya so he says okay but another interesting aspect of indian thought was adhikar bhed which sprang from this same truth we'll talk about it as it comes so he says yes but not everybody can enroll himself to into this school so okay what is required is it lot of money he said no it's not about money but i need to know your lineage do you come from a family which is so high that the from these seeds of heredity itself you can say that well here is somebody who is capable of engaging in brahma vidya now people may say today that you know what is heredity got to do with it you see indian thought took into account the truth of heredity heredity has to do with our physical bearing it has to do with our you know Uh, inner psychological makeup these are simple facts which today we talk about it in psychology and nobody says you are <laughs> so but this heredity had to be understood and used rightly it was not to condemn anybody it was understood taken into account so he says who is your father but now see what is the twist of this story let me know who is your father and i'll enroll you or not enroll you depending on whether you are an adhikari or not so the boy goes and asks his mother mother since childhood i haven't seen my dad you never told me about him but i need to know because they won't take me in the school so the mother replies well my son well meaning is your teacher this much i know that i am your mother and then she pauses then she says but you know i have been working as a maid in several houses I don't exactly know who your father is. Now look at the subtlety. Only in French films, modern French films, you can see this kind of subtle expression. Subtle expression, and this is very ancient tale. She doesn't say anything more. She says, "I don't know who your father is because I was serving many masters as a maid." That's all. And the boy goes and expresses the same thing to Darishi. I don't know who my father is my mother doesn't know it but this she knows that she is my mother and the rishi replies well well said if such a lady is your mother who has such a courage then i must say you are ready to be enrolled in the school now just look at this story and try to understand what kind of dharma how it was conceived in indian thought it was not conceived the way we understand today a set of right wrong moral but something very very different so what was the dharma it was something intrinsic this lady was a maid but in terms of dharma she was very high up the scale she had the courage to express truth even though this truth was not very pleasant she tried to shield the child from that but a time came when she expressed it and the rishi really appreciated this our own story it's not a made up story another story if you know this story seems this just to understand how dharma operated so sometime back now things are changing 
if a boy and girl without consent of parents ran away or without running away they have to they have to run away because you know they won't get a consent but just got married no parental consent nothing what is it regarded as european society victorian morality now look at ancient indian thought so we know the story of shakuntala and dushyant so shakuntala is brought up in an ashram she herself nobody knows her parentage i mean of course vishwamitra and menaka and both walk away he is a rishi she is a apsara so they both vanish <laughs> and she is brought up below a tree and that tree is is guarded by the shakun pakshi so she becomes shakuntala and then she is uh, you know brought up in the ashram of the rishi uh, kanvarishi and you know one day when nobody is around king dushyant forgets the way comes to the ashram he meets uh, uh, this girl shakuntala and they fall in love whatever happens happens in the course of a uh, few hours and then he goes away and she conceives now when the rishi comes back what would be the reaction of a sage he he says you have not done anything wrong because it is an act of love under which you did whatever you, you did it was not lust or blind this thing he sees that truth he says okay bring up this child the man has told her that well i have doing with you what is known as gandharviva gandharviva was a marriage where there was no consent of parents very few people know this is documented as one of the valid marriages in the vedic system gandharviva parents have not consented nobody knows son is the witness that's all so the child is conceived and the child is born but he doesn't come back and kanvrishi tells her go back and claim the rightful share and she goes and claims it so how to understand this if we try to put things into a very rigid slot of right and wrong that's not how they looked at it so if we one has to understand the indian ethos the indian stories the indian thought of those days one has to understand dharma so dharma was not a set of doctrinal rules of life because the indian rishis knew long back that there are no such doctrinal rules through which life operates the more rules you make the more people find ways to escape from the rule find ways out of the rule so what was the principle yet there must be a principle to guide our actions what should be the principle so the principle was dharma meant three things one is that which holds you it comes from the root dhra dharan karta hai dharti dharana they all come from the same root so dharm is at its core what holds you so in our life we can see in our actions what has impelled me from the core is it lust is it love is it pleasure is it good is it some other movement so what is at my core that is what is important so that which holds first thing is that so it had three levels at which dharma was understood what holds us at the base and what is at the base is truth so according to indian thought this entire creation is manifesting from a base of truth so that is dharma so then it doesn't give us much clue about how to act truth is something which is so vast that rishis took years of sustained tapasya to discover what is truth so what about our everyday life now the goal is also truth the base is also truth so dharma meant all that helps you to move towards the truth and all that helped took you away from the truth was adharma so in indian thought it was not papa and punya it was dharma and adharma so what helped you to move towards the truth itself depended on the stage of progress so there was something called as swadharma something called as yuga dharma and then the dharma changed according to the stage of your life for a child a way of action is fine for youth something else 
middle age and elderly so there was a different set of so dharma was not what will help you to move towards the truth and what will not depended a lot on the stage of progress so for instance a person a thief goes into a temple as the story is told and you know he is there is a problem there is a financial problem in the house and he steals some jewelry which is there which people have offered jewelry of the lord and he takes it away and then he sells it and he starts as the story goes his wife is very happy and they all start building a house and one day his wife meets the priest's wife and she says how come behen tum you know this is very dangerous question huh? and people ask ye kaise hua aapki zindagi mein be careful huh? don't just start how come you have suddenly become so rich overnight and you know you can't keep things nahi nahi wo bhagwan ki leela hai bhagwan ki kripa hai so kripa kaise aayi so she says that well see after all we didn't have any money so who will give us money god will give us money so my husband went and stole some of the jewelry so god has given us money that was a logic so okay fine but then she says very good everything fine but she comes and tells her husband see you have been a priest living all your life in this way and look at our own house this person has understood the shastras rightly god gives what will god do with all the jewelry he picked up a little for his home what's wrong with it she so said don't say such things no no just a little people come and offer so much you have to just pick up a little bit and see i am not saying build a big house like him but at least little bit so he hesitates a lot but you know after all prakriti is hold over purusha so finally he goes one day and says lord this is the logic picks up something some gold and brings it and says okay you can use it and as the story goes that he is tormented after that tormented for days and weeks and months and then the lord appears and says why i am under torment whereas i have done exactly the same thing that the other person has done and then he says yes because see he was genuine he was poor he had no aim in life except cutting wood or something and earning the livelihood uh, you know running the family but you are a priest your goal cannot be the same your goal is to serve the lord so from your consciousness point of view this karma is uh, much much worse than somebody else who is not awakened at all so he picked up and i said okay you make uh, now this is not an excuse to actually you know do such things under a so called spurious need etc but it is to understand that dharma is to do with the state of consciousness in which one is caught so there is a state of consciousness in which certain things happen or you you can do things like a warrior killing on the battlefield now just to take an example if we make a rule book of life we will say killing is bad isn't it non violence is good violence is bad but violence exists as a tendency in human nature so look at the indian thought what it did it said direct it where it should be directed so there was the kshatriya clan kshatriya clan were very aggressive and they meant to be so but they directed this aggression towards defending the righteous cause defending the poor defending the downtrodden defending those who needed to be defended and in that they could kill in that process so if you look at it i mean of course today we understand that you know if you make non violence an absolute principle then how do you have an army at all and if you don't have an army you will be run over by so violence also found a place in indian thought violence is of course a very extreme form there is no doubt about it it's if at all we want to put it on one side is unity on the other side it's an extreme force of division violence is not only physical verbal everything but that also got channelized so it was the dharma of the kshatriya to raise the arms to kill if needed to defend 
um, those who were in distress to defend whatever group life you belong to. But the dharma of the Brahmin was different. A seeker of knowledge is a different thing altogether. He has to practice non-violence. Why? Because he has to transcend all aggression within him. You see, Shurabindu's life, when he is in the uh, revolutionary days, somebody had asked this question, what was his contribution? So we can touch upon that in the revolutionary movement. Well, if you see the period between 1857, the Sipai mutiny, and 1902, when actually things started again, which is a gap of roughly 45 years, why there is nothing? It was almost that Indians that time believed that nothing really can overthrow the British. So they had started pactizing. They started saying, it's okay, let them give us some doles, we are happy with it. Give us some little rights. And the Britishers were very happy. So the revolutionary movement picked up from 1902 again. It's all historical. And that is the time when Bhaga Jatin came and met Sri Aurobindo. Uh, you know, Jatin Nath, um, who was one of the fierce fighters. Anushilan Samitis were formed. In 1905, during the partition of Bengal, Sri completely plunged into the freedom movement. And during the next five years, he had laid down all the lines, five or six years, all the lines along which India will arrive at freedom, which included passive, resi- passive boycott, uh, passive resistance, all these things he had already, if you really look at the charter in, in Bande Matram, all the lines he had already laid down. He knew how political freedom will come. He knew that Britishers are basically, um, they have this streak of hypocrisy. So they don't like to be painted black. They may do black deeds, but it pricks their conscience if they are painted black. So they must have a system of justice where they show that justice is being done. He had known them very well. So this was a way that he had already devised. And when he had laid down all the lines through which India will receive freedom, he had awakened the soul of India, you see in, uh, through his writings and uh, Durga's throat. And once he was sure that this is assured, now there is something greater for him, then he had moved away to Pondicherry. And ultimately what he had seen, the lines along which he had laid down, that eventually took place. That's We exactly see that. So during the freedom struggle, people asked him, what are your views about violence? So he was neither for non-violence nor he was against violence. If there is a need for armed revolt, it's perfectly justified. That was Shurabindu's position. He was not inciting people to take part in armed revolt, but he saw that it is okay if that be the uh, need of the moment to get this freedom. So he was neither for violence nor non-violence. But when Shurabindu goes, and then he said something very interesting, he writes in essays on the Gita, that there is another kind of violence which we don't realize. He says, when you suppress the urge, you are getting very angry and you suppress it, hold it inside. So he says it releases tremendous forces in the atmosphere and all kinds of things will come from all sides. He gives the examples of Vasist, you know, how he had conquered this state and armies of Huns and, you know, uh, they came into India from every side they poured. So every time we suppress a tendency inside. So Indian thought was so deeply based on understanding human nature in all its sides, shades, complexities. And when we suppress it inside, the energy will be released. If you don't release it, it will get into the entire atmosphere. And whom it will catch, what it will do, which way it will act, it will be beyond our control. So in the essays on the Gita also he says that sometimes it's much better to stay the arms of the slayer if need be, than to simply, you know, become a paragon of non-violence. But at the same time, we see something very interesting about Sri Aurobindo. When, you know, this was this fakir who was throwing stones at, uh, tried to throw stones at Sri Aurobindo's house, dwelling place. Because, you know, some communities nearby, they had got very ruffled. So by occult means, they planted a man who was a receiver of these kinds of energies. So that's how occult magics work. Occultism works by usually very few people can act directly through thought and feelings. They need to give some mediums. See how Indian thought was so deeply 
it understood the way things work so uh, that's why this free interchange of gift anybody gives anything to anyone you see when somebody gave um, some tomatoes to pavitrada he was in the initial days you know friend means they walked together and then when the ashram was formed he he had gone away then he got some tomatoes for pavitrada or apples i don't remember and pavitrada asked the mother can i take it mother said one last time why because every physical object contains the vibrations and consciousness of the giver so many things that you understand you know you understand in thought jhuta nahi khana kisi ka bhi it was based on this occult understanding you don't start exchanging anything with anyone so he planted a medium a human being because otherwise it was very difficult to materialize stones and basing this man within the ashram premises means in the dining room they took some workers he started materializing stones which were targeting this boy and everybody around them so that's a long story and people tried the police saw it and you know people saw it nearby till the matter reached the mother so when mother came to know about it she spoke about it to shurbindo she went into her inner vision and she saw that there are these three vital entities whom this fakir has captured and he was they were throwing stones so they came to the mother and said uh, well he has caught us and we are his slaves so we don't mind we can become your slaves because they have no such allegiance so the mother asked what can you do for me he said we will we can throw stones he said i don't need you thank you <laughs> just go away but then what happened the magic fell back that's the problem with all these magics if people try these things black magic etc these are not superstitions these are very scientific things which do work so is there in every part of the world by the way you know uh, hexing is a very known thing we even psychiatry we were taught that there is is there a phenomena called hexing you know what is hexing sounds very nice like you know you call uh, batura pizza margarita then you like it acha maide ka batura with those toppings so what is hexing anybody knows what is hexing everybody knows nazar lag jana that's it hexing is nazar lag jana so what is nazar lag jana through the eyes you transmit certain vibrations so that's how in indian thought restraint how you should be because they knew this entire occult panorama of the play of forces that are operating in creation so see sent him away so the black magic fell back and the fakir fell sick he was seriously sick he was on deathbed and then his wife came running to the mother that this is what has happened is on deathbed and he comes and tells your bindo she goes and tells your bindo and she bindo says what death for a few stones and he recovers so this violence when it is done for something like a great cause and see how should bindo beautifully in his aphorisms how beautifully sees every side of the same action at one place he says when europeans kill it is exigency when asiatics do it it is massacre mark the difference people say change is not coming just i was hearing our foreign minister so beautifully he said he said you people are still living in the idea of a eurocentric world it has changed that's a fact so you see this way another place he says that while it is good to forgive all trespasses that may have happened okay it's noble but it is not good when somebody else is involved and even he goes on to say sometimes if necessary calmly avenge so people ask why should you calmly avenge why avenge if a wrong has been done to you so avenge has to do with justice so justice was also important nyay because there are forces operating in the world and if you allow them to have their field day so the mahabharata war is not just a war between two families 
दैट लुक्स दैट्स हाउ इट इज पेंटेड इट वॉज दैट्स हाउ बलराम अंडरस्टूड ये तो दोनों भाइयों का प्रॉब्लम है हम क्यों बीच में पड़े बट दैट्स नॉट हाउ कृष्णा सॉ इट ही सॉ इट एज ए वार धर्म क्षेत्री कुरुक्षेत्री इट्स ए वार ऑफ धर्मा सो वट वॉज द वार इफ वन साइड वन इट मेंट दिन ऑन ओवर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ टाइप्स लाइक दुर्योधना हु डिंट केयर अबाउट एनी थिंग यू नो दे कुड ड्रैग ड्रॉप दी इन द कोर्ट दे वेर हैप्पी डिसीविंग एनी वन एंड एवरी वन दे हैड द लास्ट ग्रीड एम्बिशन फॉर किंगडम पावर एंड एवरी थिंग एल्स सो ऑन वन साइड इज दिस काइंड ऑफ ह्यूमैनिटी on the other side is yudhishthir who till the last moment is saying it's okay my cousins forgive them arjuna even on the battlefield loves is saying i know i can kill these fellows but you know i don't feel like doing it he is my grandfather he is my um, guru how can i do this they are my cousins and that's the time shri krishna gives him the secret of dharma so dharma is at once individual and collective collective dharma in a collective grouping is meant to carry the march of mankind forward i will be non violent okay fine your seat is booked in heaven but because though you were capable and you didn't fight and it led to the massacre of a whole group of humanity it led to the reign of adharma that you are not in bothered about so we have this interesting story in the trojan war all this is important because very often we get this to indian non violent you know we hear from the most violent nations you are non violent you belong to gandhi ji we can you know invade any country so there was this um, you know there are number of stories which indicate these truths that how in indian thought we viewed these things that dharma and adharma were not a set of rules they Changed, they evolved. It was a question of carrying the march of civilization forward. So, in the Trojan War, there is a very interesting story. So, the story is there is this character called Achilles. So, Achilles is like killing machine, literally. One word you can say, and he is also son of a goddess. And you now, how how they were sons of goddess? This is another thing people ask. what have gods and goddesses to do well they are powers forces aspects energies beings who can take hold of a human being and during the time when a child is being conceived you become you it you say in a certain way that child of this so we have anjani putra pavan sut nama kesari nandan all these things he is anjani sut he is kesari nandan that we understand he is pavan putra he is also shankar suman How is it? So they could see simultaneously. He is no doubt Anjani Putra. He is Kesri Nandan. They are his parents. What is Pavan got to do? Pavan carried the energy of Shiva all the way to Anjani. So he is also Pavan Putra. He is also Shankar Shivan. It was Shiva's energy when Vishnu Bhagwan had taken the Mohini Roop. He can entice even Shiva. so that energy of love of a kind of uh, love went float from shiva it's so precious so pavan carries it all the way and there is a transplantation done implantation and kesri conceived so when look at it this is how they conceived devta ke putra the because they knew all the subtle forces which are working inside so achilles he says i don't want to fight i have a family life all this he has a little baby who is born so he says i don't want to go for war so finally he is convinced by odysseus king cannot convince him he says okay fine we'll go we don't need you and when we lose the war then the world will point fingers at you that here was a man who could have turned the tables and yet he didn't do that and then he says okay i'll come and he made the difference in the entire war if you see shobindu brings another dimension to it he says later on he became a very compassionate human being he had gone through that all that that's why he was not willing to enter into engage into the war so when we look at uh, indian thought it is a very complex thought and that's why people find it very difficult to understand they want to no, know tell me what to do and what not to do 
Well, life is complex. Creation is complex. In different seasons, the farmer deals differently with the soil. And if we don't take this complexity into cognizance, we will miss out how life you know, evolves. So, at one point of time, it is dharma to fight. At another point of time, look, when the Pandavas lost in the, in the dyut, in that game of dice, they could have been, that was the time, they were all fire. And they could have just decimated with the help of Krishna, even Balram would have joined forces. This is unfair. And they would have finished the Karvas. But what does Krishna advise them? He says, no, go to the forest. Why? That time also they could have fought. Because then it would have been a dharma. You people out of your own choice engaged with Shakuni, who is a dhurt. And you lost. Truly they shouldn't have done what they did. But you did. Did you have the right to put your kingdom and your wife, all these at stake as if they were yours? They didn't belong to you. You had no right to do it. You are a dharma putra and you did this. Your mind has been carried away. Though a child of dharma, you, you have to go through a much greater uh, tapasya because you are a dharma putra and you couldn't see. You could have simply said, they are not mine. But so Krishna advises them that go and engage the spirit. But he knew war is coming. So he told Arjuna, gather the celestial weapons and get ready. If a war comes. So you see, it was at that point of time, Krishna doesn't advise them war. Even when they come back, he tries that, even if there are five villages. But when all measures fail, war is thrust. So there is a point where wars, battles, they become necessary. They are schools of courage. That's how the mother puts it. So, so they had a place for everything. This is so different from the moral science lessons, which besides were the most boring things ever, in convent school where I studied, I'm sure everywhere the same. We had to mug them up, ten rules, you know, all of the ten commandments. And we used to feel so sleepy, but there were so many marks for that, you know. So you had <laughs> <laughs> so marks ke chalte yad karna padta tha. Ah, I know there used to be a book, this thin book, but with so many things, even manners. How to do this, how to do that, open the door, this, that, hundred things. So life became, I almost started feeling I am becoming a robo. <laughs> These things should spring from within. Then they have a value. So this entire system of dharma, what leads us individually and collectively towards the forward march of mankind. Not just about me. What is the forward march of mankind? Where was it going? So they saw it is moving towards that which is at the base. And what is that? Satyam. And what is that truth towards which it is moving? So they described in very beautiful ways. So they used two words to describe that Satyam. Apart from Vratam and Ritam. So nowadays we are such vada kadwa hota hai. You know? Truth is bitter. What did the Rishi say? Raso Vaisaha Satya Bada Meetha Hota Hai Why did they say this? They were not looking at this truth, that truth and hundred truths of appearances. The truth towards which creation is lending, the truth is not bare. The truth is full of ras. That's how the Ken Upanishad says. Because you know people say, oh he is in search of truth, it's okay, but what about society? So Kenupanishad says, such a person who receives, who has the vision of truth, is full of sweetness. Rasa. And because he is full of sweetness, all around people gather around such a being, simply because he is full of that sweetness. Like Sri Ramakrishna said, like bees come to the flower. So he becomes useful to the world just by his search for truth. Because he becomes full of that truth. So such kadwani hota hai from today. Such meetha hota hai. Diabetes nahi create karta hai. Lekin wo ye wala such nahi hota hai. Appearances ka such. Appearances are nothing. It's ever changing in life and they carry a deeper sense which we must find. Dusra kya hota hai truth ke baare mein? What is the next thing about truth? It is rasa, ananda. It is 
सुप्रीम हार्मनी मां क्वालिफाई करती इट्स नॉट एनी काइंड ऑफ हार्मनी एक हार्मोनी होती है लेट्स डू थिंग्स लेट्स सेक हैंड जॉइन हैंड्स एंड फॉर द सेक ऑफ हार्मनी सो यू जॉइन हैंड विद यू नो ई विल डू आर सिफाई मे से सो वी वॉन्ट हारमोनी इज वेरी गुड नेक्स्ट इज सेज वो एल्बो भी पकड़ के हारमोनी करते हैं ना देन इज सेज आ गले लग जा शिवाजी न्यू द होल थिंग नो दिस स्टोरी नो शिवाजी स्टोरी सो यू टू मीट अफजल खान की दोस्त बन जाते हैं बिकॉज ही न्यू ही कैनोट डिफीट दिस मैन आई डोंट नो सो शिवाजी से डोके सब विल मीट एंड सेलिब्रेट इट्स अ वेरी फेमस स्टोरी सो शिवाजी गोज देयर ही न्यू वॉट दिस मैन इज कैपेबल ऑफ सो इट इज सेट दैट इन इज हैंड्स येट put uh, five rings which look like ring this side but they were bagna khas you know very sharp pointed uh, claws of the uh, lion and they go meet this fellow was hiding a dagger so when they clasp each other before he can take out the dagger he torn his back that's a famous story that's where it's now it has become a hot subject वेयर यू नो एंड दिस फेलो उसके नाम पर सड़क बनी है जो धोखा देना चाह रहा था सो ही अंडरस्टूड दैट देर इज अ गेम ऑफ डिसेप्शन नॉ इमेजिन इफ शिवाजी सेड ओके वेरी नाइस लेट्स है बॉर्न होमी वी आर फ्रेंड्स क्या फर्क पड़ता है हिंदू मुस्लिम भाई भाई डीप सेंस में ट्रू है बट वो बाहर में द मोमेंट ए पर्सन सेज आई एम अ हिंदू और अ मुस्लिम फ्रेंकली यू हैव डिफाइंड द डीप सेंस इन ए सर्टन वे द मोमेंट यू से आई एम ए क्रिश्चियन यू हैव डिफाइंड इट इन ए सर्टन वे सो इन मैनिफेस्टेशन दैट्स हाउ थिंग्स ऑपरेट द डिफरेंस इज दैट वेन यू से आई एम ए हिंदू मीन्स यू आर कैरिंग द एंटायर सनातन धर्मा विद्यो दैट इज अ डिफरेंस When you say I am a Muslim, you have an identity. You are carrying the all that is taught in a certain religion with you, and what is taught there is. You see, Nani Tal me kal bhi dekha. There is only one God, and He is Prophet Muhammad. Is written there. Ab India me ye kar sakte ho ap? Jao Saudi Arabia me likho. Ek hi Bhagwan hai, wo keval Krishna hai. देखो क्या होता है उसके बाद सो दिस इज ऑल राइट दिस ट्रूथ हार्मनी दैट्स सुप्रीम हार्मनी सो वॉट इज सुप्रीम हार्मनी सुप्रीम हार्मनी इज वेन वी आर ऑल लेट टू अर्ड दैट स्टेट वेर वी डिस्कवर दिस डिवाइन एसेंस टू हेल्प ईच इंडिविजुअल एंड ग्रुप टू डिस्कवर द डिविनिटी विच इज इनहेरेंट इन एवरीथिंग देन ओनली वी कैन बिल्ड हार्मनी देन ओनली ट्रू हार्मनी कैन कम अदरवाइज वील हैसेज ऑफ हार्मनी सो ट्रूथ इज डिलइट Rasa, truth is harmony. So, isn't it worth aspiring for truth is vastness? Truth is the true vastness. Why? Because this is not a deceptive vastness. This is not an unrit kind of vastness where you put everything pellmell together in a waste paper basket and say, uh, you know, we are one. This oneness takes into account that there is a cosmic order. Anything in space and time will create a hierarchy. Anything. Because it will take place step one, step two, step three. Beyond space and time, there is no hierarchy. It, there is oneness. So, in space and time configurations, things are moving from the lower to the higher. This is the essence. So, based on that, even our outer conduct. So, third level of dharma. Before we come to this hierarchy, third level of dharma was in your outer life. So, there is the core. there is the inner movement and there is the outer life in outer life things had to be tuned to this truth inside that also is an expression of dharma so when you did namaste it came from that that you know divine presence is within me divine presence is in you and all the outer acharan achar vyavhar they all had to sprung from this core that's how you see many aspects in indian life came from that and there are plenty of them and we need not and we understood that there are so many beings forms behind everything so you had a god for this god for that which we have already spoken about but now we come to this story that 
everything in life is moving from one state to another. This we all know. Change is the law of life. Nobody can deny it. You don't need to read the Buddha to understand that change is happening. But does this change have a direction and a purpose or is it just a meaningless change? That's where the rub lies. So according to Indian thought, this change has a direction. What is the direction? It has sprung from delight, from truth that is delight and it is moving towards truth and delight. In between there is all this mixed play, which we can understand but that's a different story. So when we understand this, so automatically human life is seen as a journey in Indian thought. What is this journey? Journey from the lower to the higher, lesser to the greater, from the narrow to the vaster. How to undertake this journey? It's an inner journey. And the principle that was used, emphasized in Indian thought was called Yajna, sacrifice. So there were two ways of undertaking this journey. One was Tyaga and second was Yajna. So what was Tyaga? You leave the step behind if you have to go to the next step. So this leaving behind the step was not a physical act. Leave this and take that. It was change the something within us. So therefore, say a corner was holding on to ego, a corner was holding on to desire. You leave it and now engage. So there is a Tyaga. Tyaga and Sanyasa are different. Sanyasa is where you leave outwardly. Obviously that has, uh, even if it's a path which we take it, it cannot be for the whole of humanity or large section of humanity. So the emphasis was on Tyaga. Tyaga was always a power that when you renounce, you renounce the lesser for the sake of the greater. So this Tyaga was a very good policy. So the policy was Tena Tyaktena Bhunchita. You get delight when you do Tyaga. So there was this Sethji who came to a Guruji and he used to give a lot of money. So he wants the Guruji to recognize him. Always he used to have this itch that when everybody is present, Guruji should tell, you know, you are such a great man. So one day Guruji thought, let me give him a little peace of mind. So he said, you are truly a great renunciate. Bohut tyag kiya hai tumne. Kaan mein bula. Bula, kya kaha apne? Kya kaha? Because he wants everybody to hear, no? Aray, bade tyagi ho tum. Abhi usko satisfaction nahi ho raha hai. Kete, nahi, par aap false humility. True humility is inward. False humility. Nahi, 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 habne kya tyag kiya hai? Dousron ke saamne. Bade namaste. Humility is before the divine that I know nothing. That is humility. Humility is not about everybody. Ekdam bend like, you know, lagta hai girnei wale ho abhi aap. That is not humility. That is a show of humility. So, he says, aap bataiye na mene kya tiyak kiya hai. Mujhe to nahi pata mene kus tiyak kiya hai. So, he went on teasing. He said, mere se bhi bada tiyak kiya hai tumne. Aap now he is all, you know, excited. So, he says, Guruji, please tell me. ये तो सच में अब मैं कंफ्यूज हो गया हूं आपसे बड़ा मैंने क्या त्याग किया है इसे देखो दो घर हैं दो कमरे हैं एक घर में एक में गंदगी भरी है और एक बड़ा सुंदर है देयर इज देयर टू रूम्स इन अ हाउस वन इज फुल ऑफ डर्ट मक एंड द अदर इज वेरी ब्यूटीफुल सो व्हाट आई हैव रिनाउंस्ड इज आई हैव रिनाउंस्ड दैट मक वाला प्लेस व्हिच इज फुल ऑफ ऑल द विष्ठा एंड विष व्हिच इज व्हाट much of human life is kaam krodh love more and i am living now in this wonderful room where there is fresh air there is delight there is beauty you fellow you are coming to me for so many decades still you are not able to take that room you still want to hold on to this so you have renounced this <laughs> and you are living here and giving little little, little from there to me so he says you are a great renunciate i am telling you come to this room but you are not keen to come you want to stay in that so you have chosen to renounce that so so you see renunciation was always for a greater becoming 
renunciation was we hold on to a small little narrow self identity i am this little surface personality i am this little surface form, formation when i renounce it i become vast is it a loss or is it a gain it was a perfect deal so the isha upanishad reminds us isha vasyam idam sarvam yat kinch jagatyam jagat you think it is yours but actually you know it's lots it's meant for the lord so what about me tena taktena bhunjita renounce and enjoy enjoy like what as the lord enjoys tena taktena bhunjita magrita kasasiddhana you don't have to acquire this possess that you enjoy as the lord enjoys so it was such a sound so one was tyaga so tyagi could fight the war that's what shri krishna tells arjuna that now you don't have to think oh, what will happen to me i will be stained people will call me names i won't get a place in heaven if i engage in war i'll commit sin you are full of fear that's how you start what what a mindset you are caught in you are full of the sense of fear sin all this where is this all this coming to you it's not about you arjuna why are you putting yourself every time in the center it's not about you for god's sake understand it's about me <laughs> how it is about you keshava he says because i am conducting the affairs of the world and if your side loses then the world is going to go down do you understand if isis runs over the world what is going to happen and you want to say no no we are all bye bye understand this simple truth so arjuna takes the bow so this is how indian thoughts he look at it so one was tyaga but there was something else also it was yagya in this journey you leave the lesser go forward again you move it's any even any journey is like that and it was to leave the lesser form it was inner change and you see in any human life i have seen when things reach a stalemate situation okay very common you don't know which way to move there is a chinese saying some good things in the china has still survived from shintoism okay there is a chinese saying when you meet a wall change and pass through very profound saying change inwardly and if you change inwardly you will realize you don't need to change anything outwardly when people will go to mother and say i want to change department i want to change she said if, if you change inwardly you won't need to change outwardly and if you don't change inwardly then you will keep on moving from one kind of change to another so the change has to come inside so how to bring this inner change so that process was yagya what does yagya mean we see all this havan taking place and people putting ahuti and sometimes say itna ghee kyon barbaad kar rahe ho bhai so you get this nice logic shuddh hota hai vatavaran okay agreed shuddh hota hai understand but there are other ways of doing it probably little better and simpler we don't those days it was okay jab india mein ghee doodh ki nadiyan behti thi अब ठीक है आपने घी इतना डाल दिया ऐसे लोग बड़े संयमी थे कोलेस्ट्रॉल लिपिड कंट्रोल में रहने के लिए घी की आहुति दे दो लेस घी हाँ शुद्ध भी होता था हाँ तो जो भी है जब रहेगा नहीं तो लोग मोटे नहीं होंगे मतलब अच्छी बात थी बट दैट्स नॉट द पॉइंट दिस वॉज एन इनर यज्ञ वॉट डज इट मीन so yagya literally is lighting a fire first thing you do is you prepare a ground so you lay the bricks you prepare a ground is the first thing yagya aise nahi kahin par bhi rakh kar ke aapne shuru kar diya matches ki tilli jala ke ya wo aajkal e yagya hota hai e marriages ki wo aisa nahi hai yagya light a fire but you have to make the right spot so place so what is that spot is the human body it's revealed is there in this not interpretation it is there in kathopanishad is saying you have to lay the brick in three layers what are the three layers mind life body this should be ready because the moment fire is lit there will be tap so people say i want to do yoga very good 
people come sometimes they come to ashram sometime and then ready ha ah, he karna hai and then the moment fire is lit ye kya ho raha hai jal raha hu main aur kya jaloge nahi to shuddh kaise hoge so yagya is a means of purification what is meant by purification is not about moral purity again it's about changing the raw energy into its subtler and higher and more powerful form all purification is about that you extract gold by doing this anything you change you put anything through fire it changes into something subtler and by subtler it becomes more powerful so that is the principle of yagna that any energy any movement any activity of life when it is put as an ahuti then it will get purified so where is that a fire fire is in the heart the fire of aspiration so if you read all the hymns of the rigvedas dedicated to fire and it was called agni agni means ag that which takes you always forward aage badho aage badho aage badho so this agni which has to be awakened takes two forms one when we are in ignorance it takes the form of urge for progress if urge for progress is not there one may do all kinds of degrees because one had to ultimately fall back upon earning more money urge for progress is a different thing and in children that is what has to be awakened not classroom marks urge for progress thirst for progress in ignorance it takes this form when we become aware it takes the form of we can say divine ascension towards a greater consciousness higher consciousness towards the divine it takes these forms but in ignorance also this urge is there it takes the form of urge for progress if it is there that means agni is awakened and when this agni is awakened that means i want to aspire for the divine then we put an activity into it we don't destroy it we purify it and we refine it when mother was asked this question what do we do when human love meets us because we are supposed to love only the divine what should one do she said best is to go through it but go through it as a means of preparation and then she gives a whole process to learn to love without expectation without demands without possessiveness without jealousies all those things if you learn to love truly that energy will get very much purified within us and she says if you discard love then who knows after how many centuries because your heart becomes hard and who knows when it will come eventually so she said purify it refine it and then she says if you do it sincerely you will touch the principle of divine love which is at the core of everything and then you discover it's not me loving another but the divine loving someone the divine in that person where there is there nothing but two channels two bodies two minds two hearts and that's how one begins to look at this world so this is about the energy of love it applies to everything money how to purify money is there something like black money yes for legal purposes it is there but from the divine purposes the divine does not make distinction this black money or white money but the f- wealth can be purified how do you purify wealth you purify wealth by putting it to right uses with satvik considerations not like okay kitna aa gaya karodo pe aa gaya acha aisa karo wo koi goshala mein itna daan de do ek orphanage this is unthinking by all means think and do it subtly but that's not how money is the that energy of wealth is purified the wealth is meant to create beauty even in outer life so when you create beauty of course one can give it to those who need that's okay but its purpose is to create beauty in the outer world to enrich it literally you see what happens when wealth is not there you live in a very paltry house then what happens if if there is wealth and you create beauty inside it is something wonderful but if you are creating beautifully beauty only with your own thought your own consideration then you are not really 
purifying. So purification is a process through which every energy, knowledge. So how to purify knowledge? Somebody said very beautifully. First level is information. You distill information, it becomes knowledge. You distill knowledge, it becomes wisdom. So we have to keep on refining, keep on purifying every energy, ambition. Ambition you keep purifying. And eventually it will become the urge to serve the divine. That's how it will happen. Love, ultimately it will change into love for the divine. Because you will discover that divine essence in everything. It will take you to that vast universal love. So this is how, and see it is such a beautiful thing, it releases you. Because uh, take again this energy of love. When you love the divine, you receive everything from the divine. And then you love people. You are not expecting anything from them. You are not demanding anything from them. They may or may not respond to you. But see, you are a free person inside. Because you are receiving everything from the divine. You are not wanting, you are not claiming, you are not... But you are still loving. Isn't this state of freedom so beautiful? This is the freedom that they sought. The, not the outer freedom, but the inner freedom, which even in outer bonds you are free. And that freedom was called as moksha. When you take any energy and it could be practiced anywhere in every activity. So we have to turn our life into a conscious sacrifice to the eternal. And it is expressed in several formulas. Look at the eternal aspect of everything. Eternal value of everything. Transient many things will come. They are transient. Learn not to be carried away by that. Look at what will eventually survive at the end of the whole story of human life. Those eternal truths, those eternal moments. Shashwat. So, catch them, hold them. They are the Jamapunji. When we come back, it's not those transient things. They will crash land here. But the eternal values, we have converted the transient things into things of eternal and lasting value by the power of Yajna. So we'll stop here and continue after half an hour.